Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. And Jeff, you strapped on your hardcore journalist hat this week. You sat down for an exclusive interview. Uh, I'm using exclusive in the inaccurate way in which everyone uses it nowadays, because why not? Uh, an exclusive interview with ChatGPT, the AI bot that is sweeping the internet off its feet. You asked ChatGPT various questions related to gambling, and it gave you a mix of profound answers and useless answers. So any particular highlights from the interview you'd like to share with the podcast listeners? And I'm sure. What, what? Go ahead. I, I'm very excited about this. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't even. I, can't I, had, even. I had a second question. Got to get it in yeah. here. All right. What's the over under on how long before we're both replaced as Gamble on host by chat GPT one and chat GPT two? All right, this thing is so cool, man. I, 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 I cannot <laughs> stop playing with it. I literally just before we got on, I for no good reason, I typed in, please do a rap battle about the proper way to treat a woman featuring Donald Trump and Buddha. Uh, and it did not disappoint. Uh, oh, please, Buddha, don't lecture me. I know how to treat a woman. I've got down to a science. See, I know what they want. I know what they need. I give it to them. That's why they succeed. And then the Buddha responds. But success is not measured in material things. It's about respect and kindness and the love that it brings. A woman is not a toy to be played with and discarded. She is a person worthy of being cherished and honored. This thing is unreal. So, yeah, I did. I asked a bunch of gambling questions. You can read about it on uh, U.S. Bets. I, 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 it didn't do that well with the gambling stuff. It, it really right. – it, it, it was a lot of cautionary uh, – and I didn't publish a ton of this stuff. Also, I asked it to write, like, you know, tell me about gambling. It would be like, gambling is bad, basically. You know, it's telling – you know, ChatGPT is very conservative with its money, apparently. Okay. It doesn't want to – it doesn't want to go into the gambling streets. But uh, it this thing, if you haven't tried it, man, I'm, it is fascinating. Uh, it's fascinating. It, it's so – it's already so good, and it just um, – in 10 years from now, what's this going to look like? Ask your question, like, haha, are we going to be replaced by host? Uh, maybe, because, <laughs> like, for instance, I typed in earlier, just to see what would happen, uh, give me a 500-word game preview for the Giants-Commanders uh, game this Sunday night, which I have to write for New Jersey Online game. <laughs> right. And it did. You know, I mean, so like, so so are so are you just going to take that and and sort of human humanize it a little bit with some of your own thoughts and otherwise uh, see see, well, see if you can uh, submit that and uh, and get it by me? I'm not, <laughs> but I could right. for sure. Okay, and like, man, I'll tell you, if you're like, you know, my you know my son, he's going to be in ninth grade next year. All of a sudden, like, writing an essay is not as hard as it used to be. <laughs> right. You know, because that's exactly what you could do. I typed in the other day, um, compare Hamlet to Succession. Right. Right. And I said, I want 800 words. And it gave it to me. <laughs> I mean, and it was good. Right. You know, like it was on point, you know. And so, like, yeah, obviously you're not going to copy and paste it. But, man, it saves you about five or six hours of pre-research to, to do anything like that. It's and, really it's it's crazy, this thing. And I assume chat GPT didn't get fooled into thinking Kendall was dead in the swimming pool. I'm sure not. But chat GPT is too good. It's scary. Uh, so it's yeah, scary. I mean, so I haven't used it. I've only I've just read your story and and listened to the the rap battle you just quoted, <laughs> which is very impressive. Um, I'm I'm mostly impressed by this thing, but I, I would say it falls that little bit short of being able to fully simulate human thought and and trick me. Uh, you know, there were little things in the interview that I feel like if an essay was submitted without the student going through and cleaning up a few things, I think, I think you'd get yeah. busted. But uh, certainly the, the weakest point was you asked it to write some poems about gambling and it twice finished with the line rewards can be oh so bored, which yes. didn't make sense. And it used it both times. And right. so, so, funny. so it, th there are still some kinks to work out. For but, sure. Where's yeah. it going to be in 10 years though? Right, right. right. Or, 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 you know, 10 months. Um, yes, we're, we're, we're definitely getting, close to our robot overlords taking over i yeah. i'm still gonna i'm still gonna say climate disaster is the minus 200 favorite to end humanity but okay. but an ai rebellion is a very live dog maybe like plus 150 to finish us off 
can we go like glass half full here and maybe the AI will will take care of climate change? Right? Oh, well, I, okay. Don't say any more. Start writing a movie script. <laughs> All right. Well, for now, humanity continues, and and we have to podcast. There are not uh, chat GPTs doing the podcast. It's down to down to me and you, Jeff. So uh, we'll get this episode rolling, and we thank everyone for joining us for episode number two hundred twenty-one of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous two hundred twenty episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Subscribe. Give us a five star rating, and if you still haven't written a review. Just let ChatGPT write a review for you. You're really out of excuses now for not writing a review. It's true. I mean, yeah, I'll do that later. I mean, okay. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I'm going to type in, type a review for Gamble on Podcast. I mean, why wouldn't we do this? You can tell uh, it. Listen. You can tell it exactly how many words you want. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, enough ChatGPT for now. Although I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to bring it up later. Yeah. Uh, listen, coming up a little later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Simple Bet CEO Chris Bevilacqua. We're going to be talking micro betting and all things about that. But first, Eric, as always, there is so much news to go over. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. I've spared you until now, Jeff. Uh, haven't subjected you to the monthly-ish tradition of making a news item out of revenue reports, but it's time because November numbers have started coming in. And there are records being set and milestones being reached. And we should actually start with a late reporting October state, Illinois, which has been rising the ranks of sports betting states lately, having clearly passed Pennsylvania and threatening to pass New Jersey, had its first ever billion dollar handle month coming in at $1.04 billion and joining New York, New Jersey and Nevada in that club in November. New York didn't quite set a handle record, but it did set a revenue record, $149.2 million in a single state for a single month, $148.2 million of which was achieved online, and it translated to a record $75.7 million in tax revenue. And then there's Maryland, which you'll recall launched online betting on November 23rd and drew $186 million in mobile handle in that one week or so compared to $33 million in retail bets the entire month. Uh, we're waiting on November reports from New Jersey this Friday and Pennsylvania, either Friday or Monday. But for now, uh, what stands out to you here, Jeff? Uh, well, people like to bet. I think that's definitely the takeaway. <laughs> okay. uh, the New York numbers. <laughs> did, you really get, did you get chat GPT to write that line for you? <laughs> no, that, that's all me. That's all me. Uh, that, that's all my insight. Uh, yeah, people, I don't know if people like to bet. Um, the New York stuff is interesting, right? I mean, the, it, it can't be replicated in smaller states, this high tax rate, because I, I don't know how many sports books would, would go for it. Right. Um, and actually, like, decide to set up shop there. But maybe it doesn't matter. Because, I mean, this tax revenue, I mean, what, they're probably going to hit, what, $500 million this year in tax revenue? This is that's right. real money. You know, um, it, it seems unsustainable for the sports books to survive in that environment. But I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. And, you know, the, the other takeaway from this, you know, and I've been covering this now for years, covering, looking at the numbers and the handle and the revenue and the taxes. And all of these numbers, they all like tell like a little part of the story, but it doesn't add up to the whole story. You, you know, and, and the, the one thing that's really missing for me, I, I, I wish we could see numbers like how many people bet, what's the yeah. average bet size, how, what's the mean bet size, what's the median, how, you know, it, let's take out like the three biggest bets of the month and then where are we, you know, is, is right. it one person moving? You know, I, I, those are the, that's really what I'd love to see. We're never going to see those numbers, right. you know, the, the operators aren't going to give them, the state's not going to break them down. But I mean, that's really, those are the numbers that really mean something to me that, cause that's really where you, you know, handle goes up from September to October. Oh, it seemed to indicate, you know, that betting is going up obviously, but what if it's going up because there's more big bets, but fewer, Guys like us betting. You follow what I'm saying? Right. You know, right. I think for the health of the industry, I'd love to know. That's the number I really want to know. And we'll just never, ever, ever, ever go. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they can only get so granular, I guess, in what they can expose. I, I wonder whether we can, whether the regulators can get the books to at least tell them, like, how many people have active accounts on their sites. And then you can kind of extrapolate from their average spend per month or something but yeah i mean that, that would be fascinating to see that stuff i don't think we're quite going to get it and so you're right it's it's a very partial picture of what's going on where you can sort of spot some big trends but but can't get too granular um i think those 
New York online versus brick and mortar numbers. I think those are the most extreme that we've seen yet in any state that has both. 99.33% of revenue came online. Uh, and honestly, I question those people responsible for the 0.67% on the other side. <laughs> who, who does things in person anymore? Interacting with other humans voluntarily? I don't get it. Uh, but look, we hear complaints from the operators about how you can't make money in New York with the 51% tax rates. This is what you're saying. We, we, we just don't quite know how it's going to shake down. I, it's feeling like it's not going to sustain as many sports books as you might like. Um, and of course, the sports books have had to cut back a lot on their promos and freebies already. But the books at the top are clearly doing okay. FanDuel, $78.3 million in revenue in that month. That's enormous, even after you give half of it to the state. Um, DraftKings, right. $42 million, That's plenty. Caesars, a little, little under 15 BetMGM, 8 But then it does fall off quite a bit to where it's close, whether the win bets and the points bets and the likes are, are even covering their operating expenses. So I would have to say that seems to be where we're heading in New York, that sports betting is going to be okay. You know, they'll they'll figure it out. It'll, it'll still be there for customers. But the current nine sports books, I wouldn't be surprised if a few years from now it's down to five or six or something like yeah. that that have survived. Um and I'll just note on Maryland, pretty good handle start there, uh, though the, the handle the first week or two is always inflated by, oh, you know, those $500 bets from people who normally would only bet 10 or 20 bucks. Um, and because of all those promos and books being able to deduct them from taxable revenue, uh, the state of Maryland collected $4,262 in tax revenue from mobile betting in November. But, uh, but you know, Maryland, they, they, they know about patience. They waited two years to launch. I guess they can wait a little longer to actually start seeing the tax benefits. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, Eric. All right. Uh, our second story is related to our first. Uh, it's also about November sports betting revenue. And it zeroes in on a specific better in a specific state. This is sort of the granular data you're looking for, but yeah. not exactly. Um, as we discussed in the past, Jim Mattress Mac Mackingvale got down some massive wagers on the Houston Astros to win the World Series, winning a total of $75 million. $5 million of that came from Betfred in Iowa, and another $5 million came from Unibet in Iowa. And in November's revenue reporting, those bills came due. Uh, total sportsbook revenue in the state was just $5.8 million, the lowest in 14 months, and the hold was just 2.3%. Betfred took a loss of $6 million on the month and swings to $3.1 million in the red for the year, while Unibet lost $6.3 million in Iowa in November and is down more than $5 million for the year. FanDuel, meanwhile, after taking no big Mattress Mac bets, Chugged along with more than $6 million in November revenue. Uh, Jeff, what do you make of max big wins at the expense of smallish sports books in a smallish betting state? Is this a big deal or not such a big deal since Iowa is just a small part of those operators' portfolio? Well, a small part, but I mean, it's a big hit, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, this is you know, seven figures here. Uh, you listen, I, I mean, I, I <laughs> we're going to talk about this in the next story, but like it's 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 there's it's their own fault they're not you know they're people get limited 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 they take this guy's action because they think he's a square i why i mean uh -huh. i don't know why they're taking max action but you know because i mean listen like he could win just as much as anyone else right, right. you know it, you know it's not like he's like batting like you know 220 here uh you know and i listen i don't begrudge mac at all i mean the guy is a genius you know i mean i really i wish i could come up with such a clever you know arbitrage opportunity as this guy did you know with you know take a mattress give a mattress sell him whatever the hell he's doing you know maybe i need to open my own furniture business you know it goes with, it goes with jake uh, how about jacket rack jeff how about that would you okay. shop there uh sure are you still gonna have your uh industry consulting business going as well you, you've, you've developed a lot of businesses on the podcast in recent weeks I will continue with my industry consulting uh, side hustle while okay. I am up front, you know, greeting people to buy their jacket racks at Jacket Rack Jeffs. <laughs> okay, but you're and you're also still doing the podcast. I'll do the podcast. Yeah, no, okay. I, I got you know. Listen, I I, I I thrive under pressure, Eric. So the, the more the, the the more stuff, the better off I am. Okay. I think. All right. Um. So in terms of these these sports books uh, and this these big losing months, I, I think it's simultaneously a big deal for them and not such a big deal. You know, this is 
one state, one month, and these books operate in other states, other countries too. So this is a small part of their per- portfolio. You know, they'd rather not lose money anywhere, but they can absorb this loss, I'm sure. But that said, would I be shocked if one of these books announces it's leaving the U.S. market soon? You know, and and this losing seven-figure bet being a key factor. You know, we, we've covered the other ones leaving: Twin Spires, Fubo, Maxim Bet. Bet Fred and Unibet, they're they're a little bigger than that, but I guess an online sports book around that size could could be the next one to go. Um, the side angle here is whether sports books, especially smaller ones, are going to be any less eager to take these million dollar Mac bets going forward. We know why they took these ones, uh, because they believe he's a whale, not a shark, and uh, the EV is certainly well in their favor as it is on just about every futures bet. Um, but you get gun shy. Um, I saw something about he, how he's starting to place bets on University of Houston to win the NCAA title next spring. That's his next one. They should say yes if he wants to put a million bucks on that at, at odds that disadvantage him. But from their perspective, I guess it can be difficult to be rational if you don't have the financial flexibility to absorb another loss. So I, I, I don't know whether they'll, whether they'll start uh, shying away from taking max action going forward. I'm not sure. Um, I'll, I'll note that I'm working on a, a year-end piece for U.S. bets on the biggest gambling stories of the year, and Mattress Mac is in the mix. This, this is just such a strange story when you pull back and think of the fact that one square better is a threat to put sports books out, out of business. If, if 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 you believe that that's where this possibly ends, that that's a pretty gigantic story. Yeah, no, it it is a gigantic story. But I mean, it's it, again, it, it, they're if I went to bet Fred tomorrow, I won't put a million dollars down. They're not going to let me put a million dollars down. Uh, no, uh, pro- pro- probably not. They're not. They're not, <laughs> not unless I'm Jacket Rack Jeff. <laughs> you just need your nickname. And, and your and your furniture business and that's, and that's yeah okay we're so close <laughs> mattress mac flows off the tongue better than jacket rack jeff i'm sorry i to looked say. I, I googled furniture that starts with J. it's a short sad list <laughs> you didn't you didn't have a lot to work with huh? yeah <laughs> all right um all right our third story you you kind of hinted that uh, this this was something coming up that you were about to weigh in on uh while mattress mac can get down just about whatever he wants wherever he wants at least to this point Our third story this week focuses on a professional better who is not afforded the same easy access. Gadun Kirolos, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, he's best known in our world as Spanky, complained publicly last week on his podcast, Be Better Betters, about Bally's Atlantic City banning him from betting, and because exchange wagering site SportTrade operates in New Jersey through a partnership with Bally's, Spanky can't bet there either, despite Sport Trade founder and CEO Alex Kane seemingly trying to get Spanky unbanned. Bally's excuse is that Spanky has a money laundering charge on his record and they don't want to be associated with money launderers. Or I, I guess I said that's Bally's excuse. That's what we're hearing their excuses. Yeah. They haven't officially said anything. Um, maybe that's the case. Maybe they just don't want to take his sharp action. Uh, Jeff, you wrote both a news report and an opinion column on this. So. What's on your mind at this point as it pertains to Spanky and any sports books that won't accept his bets? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, he, he was charged with money laundering. He ended up pleading out to – he wasn't money laundering, according right. to the government. In the end, right. he pled, pled out to promoting gambling, uh, which I mentioned in a column on, on NJ Online Gambling. You know, that's like a bootlegger, you know, like being charged, you know, with, uh, you know, serving alcohol or whatever in, during Prohibition. And he's settling out for, you know, uh, I had a beer in my backyard, you know, like, <laughs> right. I mean, they, 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 the, the government had no case against him here. Um, but so, yeah, we're hearing that that's the reason why they're shying away from him. So, OK, maybe. But really, first of all, I don't like that because anyone could show up to a cage with 100 grand and they could do the due diligence. And like, again, Spanky bets everywhere else in New Jersey outside of Caesars, another story, but bets everywhere else in New Jersey. They everyone else lets them bet. So they've got. Does Bally's know something that the others don't? I I doubt it. You know, it's to me it could even be it could be a Trojan horse situation. What if you know somebody else walks in with a hundred grand? Uh, they're nervous. They think that this guy's a sharp. Oh no, and uh, money laundering. You know, we we don't want to get involved. This might be money laundering. You know, this is a might be, right? right. Which is I, that's a bad look. Beyond that, you know, this just goes into the bigger issue of sports books and setting the limits. It's such. Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Do we, do we drop? Uh, yeah, why not? It's I... such bullshit <laughs> that the AGA 
you know, is, you know, screaming and all the sports books screaming about offshore, offshore, we need to yep. do something about offshore, 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 but they're not letting people who want to bet, bet. So where else are these guys going to go? Now, yes, of course, offshore will limit people also. But like until we come to a, 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 a balance and if you talk to the Captain Jacks of the world, you talk to the Spanks of the world, they're not looking for unlimited action. They're just looking for reasonable action. Right. Give them reasonable action. I saw a tweet the other day from Matthew Metcalf, who runs Circa. Yep. And he said in Nevada, where they run like the classic sports book, somebody asked, "What? How much are you guys? How, how are you guys doing?" And he answered, "He said we're holding three percent." Now, is that like five, six percent? No, because he's opening himself up to like big, sharp betters. But like, still doing it the quote-unquote correct way. All right, they're holding three percent. You know, I think it was like twenty-six million that they've made this year in Nevada. I don't know. It sounds pretty good to me. Right. Yeah. You it's, know, it, it's it's greed that three percent isn't enough. It's or uh, greed and or you know uh, these these sports books needing to impress their investors and and show them that they're make they're about to start making huge money after yeah. failing. But you, you just can't have it both years. ways. You, you can't right. be screaming on one side, you know, we're doing this to stop, you know, the money flowing offshore and then create a system where you're forcing the money to flow offshore. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree totally with that, that and singling out, you know, the AGA and the sort of the hypocrisy of, of where they're going and, and also the, you know, the New Jersey DGE and, and other regulators that they all say their top priority is driving the illegal offshore operators out of business, then, you know, if, if that's a priority, then cracking down on sports books, limiting or banning successful betters should also be a top priority to well, them. It's, it's literally the only, why else would you, why, if, you, if I, if I'm betting, you know, a hundred grand a week, right. Mm -hmm. Why would I, why wouldn't I not take, why wouldn't I bet legally? As opposed to taking whatever the smaller risk is betting illegally. You, right. you understand what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It doesn't if, make any sense. Unless unless they're getting better lines offshore. Oh, yeah, right. so, you yeah, know, yeah, there's yeah. still there are other reasons, but that but no, that's definitely the main one. Only when a sharp better can reliably bet what he wants at the regulated books, then and only then will he will he no longer have much incentive to, to use the offshores. I keep thinking about the number of sharps and pros who entered the DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship and explained that one of their motivations for entering was that they could bet without limits within the confines of the contest. That they right. it wasn't even so much about winning the contest and the prize money that went along with it as it was winning real money with the bankroll that they had because they weren't expecting to get limited Although they're, then they some of them still ran into some issues yes. with li limits hitting them, right. but um, you, you mentioned Captain Jack, and I just want to note that it's pretty interesting that we had him on our podcast last week, just a day or two before this news hit, and he mentioned that at Sport Trade his edges got a lot smaller when Spanky showed up. Um, right. I don't think there's any connection here. I, I think it's just coincidence. You know, it'd be pretty big reach to theorize that all of sport trades, top customers complained. So sport trade found no, a way to no, shut no. Spanky down, you know? Yeah. No um, but it was, it was just interesting timing to hear one day Spanky is killing it on sport trade. And then the next day Spanky isn't allowed on sport trade anymore. <laughs> um, and, and I'll just note, I feel bad for Alex Kane here, assuming he's telling the truth about everything. Then he did all he could to do right by Spanky and, and not yeah. be a book that bans people or limits people. And sounds like ballet gave him an ultimatum and he didn't really have a choice. Yep, that's exactly what it sounds like happened. Yep. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. There's pre-game betting, there's in-game betting, and then there's micro-betting, by which every play of any sporting event is an opportunity for wagering. SimpleBet is a technology company powering micro-betting, and the co-founder and CEO of SimpleBet, Chris Bevilacqua, joins us now, and I'm pretty sure becomes the first inductee of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame ever to appear on Gamble On. Chris, oh, welcome man. to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You're right, Matt. That's like ancient. That's a long time. <laughs> I'm an old guy, man. That's what you got to do to stick around and get into the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> yeah, well, listen, to make any kind of Hall of Fame is pretty cool, and I, and I should note that... Uh, that Pete Rose, uh, who has been on the podcast, he doesn't count. He was inducted into a wrestling hall of fame, but not the one you're in. Um, <laughs> <gotcha>. <laughs> um, so, um, 
I am not exactly a, a tech genius. Yeah, I know how to work a smartphone without having to ask my kids for help too often, but th that's about where I stand. So for the common tech layperson like me, explain what Simple Bet does. And, and I'm not asking quite how micro betting works. I'm asking what's the technology Simple Bet provides that makes micro betting possible. Well, so listen, uh, Eric, like you, I'm not a technologist either. Uh, you know, I'm a businessman, but I saw a big opportunity uh, around what was happening in the ecosystem of media and data rights and interactivity with technology. And certainly in play, wagering is right in the center of all that. And four and a half years ago, when PASPA was repealed, we actually started the company one month before PASPA was repealed. Hmm. And we knew there was going to be a big opportunity in the U.S. market around U.S. sports, right? The main U.S. sports like football, baseball, and basketball. And we really believed at the time that in-play and in-play wagering was going to be a, a big piece of that. And so what was what didn't exist at the time, four and a half years ago, was any kind of technology uh, that enabled what we thought what we today call micro betting. In other words, being able to wager on every pitch and every at-bat in a baseball game or every play and every drive in a football game or every shot and every possession in a basketball game. And what we we set upon doing four and a half years ago was, was building that enabling technology. So we are, SimpleBet is a B2B enterprise software company that has created this enabling technology that we then sell to consumer-facing businesses like DraftKings and like Caesars and like FanDuel and others that ultimately offer all these um, in-play wagering opportunities to their, their end users. And simply put, you know, we take, our technology takes a vast amount of historical data, five to 10 years, uh, for example, of historical data from, let's say, a sport like baseball. And then it combines that with the, the the live incident feed that comes out of a stadium or an arena. So that's things like, you know, was it a was it a ball or a strike? Uh, was it how fast was the pitch? What was the result of the at bat? Like all those come through what's called the the live official data feed. So we take we take lots of historical data, we create all the machine learning models that allow to create all the various markets. And then we combine that with the real-time incident feed. And then we put a bunch of other signals in there, like, you know, things like, what's the weather? Is it a turf field? Is it a dome stadium? You know, is it a grass field? Like, stuff like that. And then the that all happens. And the output of that is the creation of literally millions of markets for a sport like baseball across 2,430 games. And we we create a market. We suspend a market, we reprice a market, and we result a market all in a matter of seconds or minutes. And we essentially turn the in-play wagering experience into a form of instant gratification. That's what the technology does. Okay. And and in terms of things happening in a matter of seconds, the, the term that uh, we always hear with regard to in-play betting or, or micro-betting is, is the word latency. Um, where does that stand? How far has that progressed in the last few years? And and how big an issue is it is it still dealing with latency? Yeah, I think latency is sort of a misunderstood concept. I mean, what you're, what you're describing, which is essentially the delay in what happens between uh, or inside of the stadium, and then eventually when it gets to the the end user's smartphone, let's say, mm -hmm. and in in the in the process that I just described a minute ago about how we create the actual product, right? We get the live data feed uh, that comes out of the stadium in under a second. Okay, so a, let's say the pitch the pitcher's foot hits the rubber, the market closes, the pitch is thrown. Then less than a second later, we get the result of that pitch, and then we take that result and we do what we do in under a half a second. And then eventually it ends up on the, the customer's uh, smartphone, right? Less than, you know, in, th in that case, it's the low, it's called the low latency betting feed. So all that happens in under a couple of seconds. So the, the, if you're not watching the game, okay, which, and this might be a little counterintuitive, 
that there is a lot of wagering that goes on in these second screen experiences where users are not actually watching the live video. Right. So in some cases, they're 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 looking at like game state animation. Like they might be looking at the ESPN, you know, the 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 game state animation they have in like their box score where you see the pitches coming in and like that's actually much faster than actual uh, a live video screen or, or if you're watching on a cable TV set top box, that's about eight, 10 seconds behind. But like when you're talking about all of these markets, like an at bat level market. All right. So which is one of our popular markets. What's as an example, since I'm a Yankee fan, I won't use the Philly example. So you can, you can shift for place. I'll say Aaron Judge is at the plate. And uh, there's a there's a market we offer a seven sided market. What's Aaron Judge going to do on this plate at uh, in this plate appearance? Single, double, triple, home run, out, other. Like we offer like a seven sided market, and you could make that bet while the at bat is going on because you know Aaron Judge sees a lot of three two counts, so he's up there for ninety seconds, two minutes sometimes, and his at bat is so. So that experience isn't really affected by a few seconds of latency, right? So now, eventually, what you're what you're getting at, I think, with your question is like, what happens? Is there a day where you'll have a single screen experience with with a live low latency video feed in the app, which let's say the top half of the app is the live broadcast of Aaron Judge at bat, and the bottom half of the screen are our markets. Like that, all that technology already exists. Okay, so it's a it's a a matter of you know legacy rights agreements between you know the the RSNs and the national cable networks. Um, you know, so there's some rights issues, right? But those are all going to burn off over time. Um, there is some current like experimentation going on. There's companies like Phoenix Communications, as an example, it's a low latency video streaming platform. So that already exists. But putting all the pieces together, um, you know, is is really what's being worked on now. And I think if I were to project out a couple of years, I think that's the kind of um, uh, product innovation that is going to come not only for for baseball, but for for NFL and NBA and college sports and and others. How about so? How are things looking? You said you've been this business been going on now for you know four plus years. Uh, like, what are you seeing? Like, in terms of like, say, this season with the NFL or NBA, like, uh, how much use is yeah? Is I mean, getting? we've seen. Um, you know, we're we're super excited, right? We we got live with our um, our first real money betting product about two years ago. We had a small operator called Intralot and. They have the exclusive mobile license in Washington, D.C. and the state of Montana, of all things. And we got live with Intralot. So we're in, in uh, I guess it was January of 2020. And so we got it out for the NFL playoffs and eventually the Super Bowl. And even that was, you know, at its very, very earliest stages. We then followed that, you know, on with DraftKings became our first uh, large operator in August of 2021. And what we've seen over the past year, right, if we look at um, time frame to time frame comparisons, like we've watched our baseball handle grow, like in terms of where it was in in August to November of last year, and then the same time frame this year, you know, we've watched it grow by an order of magnitude, probably seven or eight X over what it was last year. NFL, um, we're, we're seeing sort of similar growth year over year, and we just added Bet365 as a distributor. We're about to add uh, another large distributor here in the next 24 hours. So we're starting to see that just overall in play, and in particular, micro markets are becoming a really important product offering to the end user because it's really fun and it's really engaging and it's really entertaining. And so what we see is a lot of high volume, low bet amounts but high volume. And so, and it's instant gratification, right? And we're seeing, um, you know, the numbers of bets per user per game go up, like all those metrics that are important to evaluate um, how well the product is doing are all on a upward trajectory. Okay. Well, you you keep uh, bringing things back to baseball. Um, Would you say that baseball is basically like the ultimate micro betting sport? Yeah, and I, I I probably am biased to baseball because it's my 
favorite sport personally. Okay. Um, and but I but I would and I would also say like it it it's thus far proven to be you know our our best product in that it's generated the highest volume and you know the highest margins uh, you know sort of profitability which is obviously important in our business. We want our customers to be successful, right? So it's it's because it's uh, you know it's a very engaging and a very popular product to the end user. But on to your point, Eric, it baseball has a unique cadence, right? You've got, you know, 750,000 uh, pitches in a in a season across Major League Baseball. You've got about 175,000 at-bats. We've got multiple markets for at-bats and pitches. There's just a lot more opportunities to create more kinds of interesting markets across, you know, six months out of the year. And, you know, you're typically talking about, you know, games on the East Coast that start at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock in some cases that end on the West Coast, you know, at, at uh, in some cases, one, two o'clock in the morning. So you have a large amount of, of betting window open across, you know, a sport that has a, a very unique cadence to be able to offer all these real-time in-game betting opportunities. Right. Another sport that I'm just uh, curious for your quick take on, um, I- I'm a boxing guy, uh, both a fan and a journalist, um, and Simple Bet has a relationship with Jake Paul through Better, and he's a boxer. I suppose. Um, but uh, am, am I right to say that boxing is a pretty tough sport to pair with micro betting? Have you started thinking about the, that sort of thing yet? Yeah, you know, listen, uh, Jake, by the way, is an undefeated professional boxer. Yes. Uh, and, and, and and I should say I kind of scoffed, but f- relative to his situation and, and how long he's been doing it, he is pretty impressive. You know, it is it is a remarkable story. And, uh, you know, Jake's a, a, a unique character in his own right. I mean, and he's like, a real, a super smart businessman to go with all, along with all that. He's obviously a savant when it comes to promotion and marketing and how he connects with an audience. Uh, so you got a lot of play there, but I think in terms of, you know, one of the things that attracted us in part to Jake, um, and, and we've been thinking about this as we expand our product roadmap, like right now we do five sports, right? NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, college basketball. Mm-hmm. And as we look out over the next 12 to 24 months, we want to widen our product roadmap. So we're looking at adding sports like soccer and hockey. And on that list, right, broadly are fight sports. What, but what we, what we need to figure out, like, is the, the relevance and the applicability of the technology platform with a sport like boxing, for example, or even MMA or UFC, that you know, is that has engaging markets that you can offer to an end user that makes sense within the context of, you know, an actual live boxing match. And I, so I think that one's going to be a harder nut to crack, but it's, it's definitely something that we're thinking about. Okay. Uh, what about golf? That seems like it would lend itself pretty well to this. Yeah. I mean, listen, golf, um, you're hundred percent correct. I mean, without getting into all the weeds on, on this stuff. I mean, the way I mentioned earlier, how we make the product and, and a key feature of, of making a great uh, high quality micro betting product in any sport is you have to have access to not only the historical data, but the live official incident feed from that sport. And so those are companies, there's basically three companies, four that do that, right? You've heard of companies like Genius Sports, who has the official um, mm. and exclusive rights to the NFL. Then you've heard of a company like Sport Radar, right? That has NBA, MLB, NHL, and other sort of European soccer properties. And then there's IMG Arena, right? Who has long-term rights to the PGA and other golf-related products. And, you know, IMG has not... Uh, at this point, made available to us the necessary historical data to do that, like Radar and Genius have done for the gotcha. other sports. Gotcha. So that's the issue there. But right. we we definitely would like to be doing golf. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question for me. Um, you know, it, it, you know, this is a lot of instant gratification. You know, as you've said and stuff like that. It, obviously, like a sports bet is different than any you know pull of a slot machine. You know, you would think that there's some knowledge where the better that the better has when he's doing it. Um, but like from a responsible gaming standpoint, uh, do you see that this type of, do you feel that this type of betting might be more dangerous than traditional, uh, I'm just going to bet the Giants today, I'm just going to bet the Mets today, you know, just the idea of like, you know, if I'm sitting there watching a game, 
uh, ball strike, ball, uh, to strike, uh, double down on the next pitch. You know, you follow what I'm saying? Like, yep. is there any, is there any fear, concern? Is there anything built in to the, the software that would pre- prevent this? Or, you know, just, you know, speak to responsible gaming when it comes to this. Yeah, no, listen, it's obviously a hugely important issue for the whole industry, not just for, for simple. Sure, companies. of course. And we as a B2B company, right, we're we're not the ones that have the customer relationships. So ultimately, it's our customers, right, who are dealing on the on the front lines of responsible gaming. Uh, Having said all that, we are completely aligned with the AGA and all the responsible gaming initiatives. We're actually a member of the association. And, you know, at at a minimum, like we have technology right? Because it's all real time, right? So we can actually be part of the solution in terms of prevention and detection, right? Obviously, because we can spot suspicious patterns or or where things are going uh, askew. Even our, our partner, you mentioned Jake uh, earlier, we're, we're launching with them. We're their technology provider um, to do their whole platform, and they're going live in the state of Ohio in three weeks, right? So um, and it's going to be a micro better, micro betting centered product experience, and, you know, they're out there talking, Joey Levy, the, uh, you know, the, the CEO is out there talking um, very aggressively about the importance of responsible gaming. And they've actually decided that they're not going to even take you take credit cards and they're going to be looking at bet limits and you know things that I think are important in assessing, um, you know, this particular issue. On the other hand, I also say that micro betting, the vast majority of the volume that we've seen are small bets, $1, $2, $3 with, you know, sort of the customary margins on there. And it's really more of like, it's sort of like, I would describe it as akin to you spend $20 to go to see a movie and you're entertained for a couple of hours. That's sort of what we're seeing here in the micro betting industry is it's a fun experience. There's small bets, um, you know, that you're going to do that to enhance your consumption of the live sporting event. I mean, and so, so I think, and then the, the the other issue is just about all of this in terms of legalized gaming here, they're, they're moving a lot. There's a lot of data that shows that a lot of the money that was in the offshore illegal books is now coming into the regulated environment. That's good for everybody, right? Taking taking the illegal wagering and bring it uh, onshore here and doing it in a regulated manner. And that's that's really what we're starting to see as an industry. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Really interesting stuff. Uh, I'll note to our listeners that uh, you can learn more about uh, SimpleBet on the web at SimpleBet.io. And on Twitter, the address is at SimpleBetHQ. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was great talking to you. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks and some DFS talk shortly. But first, let's update our betting bankroll where things are looking up. Uh, the, the woe is us tone of the last couple of weeks will not be present on this podcast. We did have some losses. Uh, let's get those out of the way first. Uh, I had $108 that I bet a few weeks ago on Harry Kane and Phil Foden of England to combine for five or more World Cup goals. They were at three and Kane missed a penalty kick that would have tied the game and given us a great sweat. Uh, By the way, I'll I'll note that bet was one of two that our soccer-loving colleague Chris Altruda recommended to me. And of course, the other one at plus 300 was a winner. Uh, He had the Netherlands to lose specifically in the quarterfinal round. (laughs) It sounded crazy. So I was like, yeah, I'll go with this Kane and Foden bet instead. But nope, he nailed that one and I chose unwisely. Um, Continuing with our World Cup bets. You made a new one last week, Brazil and Argentina, to both win their quarterfinal games in regulation. We went one for two. Thankfully, you kept it small. We lost 50 bucks on that. I had an NFL teaser, Raven Steelers under, teased up to 47. That was a winner, but I teased it with the Cowboys against the Texans. I brought that down to Dallas, minus nine and a half, and they didn't come close. So that one cost us $140. But now for the good news. Uh, boxing, I bet on Arnold Hagai as a slightly mispriced plus 105 underdog to beat Eduardo Baez. And we landed on the right side of a close decision for a change. Hagai won by split decision, and I made it a big $200 bet, so we won 210 And now the big mama. Uh, you parlayed Jets plus 9.5, 
Bengals minus six and Ravens money line. We needed to sweat out a close one with the Ravens and we got the backdoor luck with the Jets. We'll take it. A plus 757 hit, risking 100 and winning $757. Well done, Jeff. I'm curious, did, did you watch any of those games or, or did you just find out you'd won uh, long after it was over? Yeah, I, I, I don't watch football. Uh, <laughs> I don't watch any sports ever. Um, it's crap, but I, yeah, I watch it on my phone. Uh, right. so, so I, I was sweating it out. It was nice to see. You know, it's yeah. always nice, nice to book a win. Yeah, absolutely. We gotta gotta love those analytics that when the Jets are down by eleven and they and they kick the field goal uh, with hopes of getting the ball back and the eight point uh, play and all that sort of stuff. It, it worked us. out nicely for us. Yeah. Uh, so for the week, we won six hundred sixty nine dollars. We're now down by two thousand six hundred sixty one. Back right around even in the Edelstein era. We have one thousand four hundred forty five dollars on hold in futures bets, leaving us with five thousand eight hundred ninety four dollars available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and there's one Moneyline underdog I think has particularly good value this week in the NFL. The Rams are as high as plus 295 in Green Bay against the Packers in a Monday night game that I'm sure ESPN was fired up about when the schedules were released. Uh, Not so much anymore. Uh, Do I think the Rams are going to win? No, most likely they will not. But do I think they have better than a 25.3% chance, which is what they need to make it a plus EV bet? Absolutely. The Packers are a below average team with no hope of making the playoffs with a veteran quarterback who isn't going to risk life and limb to win with this team at this stage of the season. The Rams are bad also, but they're feeling that Mayfield magic. I have to assume that win lit a fire in the whole team. Sean McVay certainly seems motivated again. Mayfield is playing for his career. Now he's had a week and a half to learn the playbook and practice with his teammates. To me, this is like 60-40 in the Packers' favor. So I love getting plus 295 on the Rams. This is a classic sort of game where it's not worth betting the spread. This isn't the Rams are going to keep it close. You know, they they could totally suck and lose by three touchdowns, or they could go into Lambeau and just win the damn game. Uh, So let's bet on that Mayfield Magic, $60 to win 177. Yeah, I, I, the Mayfield story is fantastic. I mean, it's I, crazy. It, I love it. I really, I love it. I, I don't even know if I like the guy, but I love the story. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just I'm watching that, and you know, you get the it's it's Hollywood. You know, it's a Hollywood ending, right? There. Yeah, the you whole, would I, if if it hadn't happened for real. If if it was a movie, you would be like, that's unrealistic. He learned I mean, exactly. the playbook in twelve the hours story. and ninety eight yards with no timeouts. Yeah, it's no. unbelievable. Uh, a great story. All right. Yeah. My bet, uh, a smaller little parlay here, only plus okay. 211. I'm, I'm, the, a, lot, a lot of stuff was scary to me this week out there in the, the NFL world. So I'm taking the Eagles on the money line, the Bills on the money line. I mean, the, you know, if they lose, what am I going to do? I, the, 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 come on, right? The Eagles <laughs> should win, the Bills should win. Then the, the, my other pick, though, is the Patriots. Um, and I, honestly, a spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking about the Patriots a little bit later. Hey, I'll save it for later. I'll say, so it's Patriots. Patriots over the Raiders. Patriots, Eagles, Bills, money line across the board, plus 211, 100 bucks. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really undecided about what I think is going to happen in that Patriots Raiders game. So, uh, but the other, the other two, well, who, wait, who are the Bills playing again? Uh, they're playing the Dolphins. Yeah, it's not it's not as safe as the Eagles, but it's still they should win. Yeah, honestly, I think it's the opposite. I think I think the Bills are safer. The Bills are at home. The Dolphins, they they haven't beaten a good defense yet this year. They haven't even come close to beating a good defense yet. So I think the Bills just kind of walk in this game. The Eagles Bears, the Eagles should win. The Eagles are clearly like, I mean, probably the best team in the NFL, I think. But. I don't know. Justin Fields, you never know. I mean, he breaks off a few touchdown runs. Things could get a little hairy. But yeah, yeah what, what do you know? You don't watch the games. <laughs> I, I, I don't like hearing anyone say the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. It makes me nervous. They're good. They are good. They are. They're good. <laughs> um, all right. For my next bet, uh, I don't know a damn thing about college football. I don't watch it. I don't care. I haven't cared since 1994 when Penn State went undefeated and didn't win the national title. There was no championship game for them to play in. And I know that has since been remedied, but it's too late. I'm out. Uh, But uh, twice this season on his podcast, Rufus Peabody has cited a big difference in what he thinks a spread should be and what it actually is. And I've bet it in real life. And both times it's won. So this week they did an episode running through every single bowl game, which my God, there are like 50 bowl games. I don't understand how anyone has the energy to care about college football. Uh, But anyway, most of them, it's like Rufus makes the line 7.3, the line is 4. Or Rufus makes the line 2.1, the line is 6. That sort of thing. 
Then he got to Monday afternoon, December 19th, Marshall versus UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, God forbid six and six UConn doesn't get a bowl game. Come on. What are we doing here? Anyway, the line is Marshall by 10. Rufus makes it Marshall by 20. We, oh, wow. we, so we have to bet that. The only question uh, is, is which way to bet it. And you, you'll be my consigliere here, Jeff. Uh, we could go 110 to win 100, Marshall minus 10, standard bet. Or we could, to, could do it points betting style, where the line does move against us by a point. That's how they, uh, how they get their VIG in here. So it's minus 11 that we're betting, and we can go like $15 a point so that we win bigger if it's a blowout, if Marshall does win by like 25 or 30. I kind of lean toward that for the superior sweat where every point counts, but I'm happy to let you advise uh, whether we shouldn't get greedy and just take the minus 10 that Rufus says is way off base. Which do you prefer? Be a pig. Be a pig. Be a pig. <laughs> Wait, what? Are you, that's, no it idea. seems like you're ch- chanting something from a movie, no? You I just d- came I up with that? I probably am. I heard oh. it. I have no idea where it came from, but yes. No, all right, but on, the point not... is get greedy and, and yeah, point at it. Yeah, of course. Why all right, not? all right. So minus 11 at $15 a point. That's what we'll yeah, do. That's what we're doing. I love okay. it. All right. Uh, for my next bet, we have our Argentina, or my Argentina, to win the World Cup. What did we bet that at? Do you remember? Uh, it was plus 500 for 100 bucks. Love it. I want more. <laughs> oh, I was totally prepared for you to hedge with a France bet here. Nope. Okay. Oh, All right. come on. I'm not hedging, baby. <laughs> Give me a parlay. Plus 387. Argentina to win in regular time. Messi to score a goal. That's what everyone wants to see. So that's what I'm going with. The universe cannot allow this to not happen. Okay. Uh, and how much? How much are we putting on? Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. All right. All right. Messi, so if... Messi to score, Argentina to win in regulation. I was all, I was toying with throwing or just making it a one nothing game, but I'll just leave it at that. Messi and Argentina plus three eighty seven. hundred bucks. All right. I like it. Uh, now it is time for bagels and locks. And uh, not only did we have a good bankroll week, we delivered two actual locks as well. Uh, you had the Bengals minus six. They won by thirteen. You're now four and two on your locks. I went Chargers plus three and a half. They won by six. I'm a little less pathetic now at two and four. We are sharp as hell. We can't be stopped. Uh, Jeff, it's your turn to go first this week. Patriots over the uh, Raiders, money line, minus 110, wherever you can find it. You know, maybe you get a plus 100. My, my rationale on this, the Raiders have to be a little bit demoralized overall, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a little banged up. The Patriots right. run defenses stellar. But more than anything, the Patriots season, you know, is going to be on the line every week going forward. You know, they're trying to make the playoffs. I do not see a universe in which Bill Belichick loses to Josh McDaniels. I don't see a universe where that happens. I The, the teacher is not going to beat the student here. Not happening. No. <laughs> no chance. No chance. Impossible. No chance. Impossible. <laughs> I did see the Raiders are getting po- probably getting some of their guys back this week. Wall, not yeah, not quite Waller. Devontae Adams level guys, or right, but right. Waller and uh, Renfro. They might come back. I, think. I mean, they're they're right. off the they're in the twenty one day period. They might come back. This and week. and and you're not worried at all that the Patriots could be missing some key guys like Ramondre and uh, uh, Jacoby Myers, looking more likely yeah. to play this week. I guess. I, so first of all, I need Ramondre to play because on like he's on like you know 193 percent of the best ball teams I've advanced. <laughs> so I, I need him to play. But uh, no, I'm not. I, I this is so I I do I really believe and I love to like sit down and actually do the study and like coaches matter, you know. And yeah. I and and this is one of those situations where Bel there whatever Belichick has been saving, he's taking out this week. This okay. is a must game for them. Yeah, you know it is. Yep. I don't. I. I just. I, the, the idea of him losing to McDaniel's with playoffs on the line is. It, it seems laughable to me. I. I get. I get that logic. I also feel like since Tom Brady left New England, there have been like just little cracks here and there of like Belichick losing games that Belichick wouldn't have lost in the past, and and reasons to question whether he's as uh, infallible as as he used to be. But. Uh, hey, it's your it's your lock. Uh, My you, lock. You made it. You made a good case for it. Uh, I have a few that I really like this week. Um, the Jags as high as plus four and a half at home against Dallas. Lock ish. Uh, Houston plus fourteen at home against the Chiefs, who just don't cover Love these that. big spreads on the road. Right. Yeah, lock ish. Um, 
even though it's on the wrong side of the hook, your Bengals minus three and a half at Tampa Bay. It's hard to imagine them not winning this game comfortably. They're just so much better than the Bucks. But to me, the lock of the week is the Titans getting three against the Chargers in L.A. Um, I expect we'll discuss this game a bit more when we talk DFS in a minute because there's some some stackability here. But this is just the classic case of the Chargers are good as an underdog, but not as a favorite. And the Titans always come through the second people start to doubt them. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want the Chargers to win uh, because I have uh, that bet with both our bankroll and in real life on the Chiefs and Chargers 1-2 in the division, and the Chargers would just about clinch it with a win here. I also have a, a real-life bet on the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, and Jags to win their respective divisions. It was mm. basically a bet on the Jags where right. I goosed the odds a lot by adding three favorites to the mix, uh, and so I need the Titans to lose for the Jags to have a shot. So, so I'm rooting for the Chargers to win, but... The Titans covering here after losing three in a row. How does Vrabel not find a way in this spot? The the Titans are my lock this week. Wow, that's 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 a ballsy call. Especially the, the, the other ones you were giving me, I'm like, well, I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> and then and then I picked the only one of the four you weren't that in on, huh? Well, I mean, I I I, I see the rationale 100. Um, percent Okay. And yeah, that game does set up very well for DFS. Speaking of, yes. All right, so let's let's transition to that. Let's do some DFS talk. Um, I've really sucked at DFS lately. Ever since my cash winning streak ended, I've lost every week in cash, and I've had no profitable weeks in GPPs either. And you know, it's a fair result. I really haven't put much time into my research and lineups this season. I'm I'm like a half step above toilet builds on my phone. Uh, so <laughs> so so that disclaimer that I stink at DFS right now out of the way. Uh, let's discuss. What do you see this? This week, Jeff. I mean, this is, you know, once a year, maybe two out of every three years, I come to a week where I sit down to do my first look and I put together what, you know, amounts to like my dummy lineup. It's not even a cash line. Not a tr- it's just like, you know, what I think is my best lineup that I, that I can do. You know, uh-huh. I usually do that on Monday. Uh, it's now Thursday right. and I haven't changed, I haven't moved one bit okay. off of it, uh, which is exciting and scary for me, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know because it's like you know it's you know and i'm not it's not like i'm going so far off the board here i mean yes listen the chargers titans game you know herbert and mike williams with like a you know with a derrick with derrick henry coming yeah. back like yeah. how do you not do that uh you know some of the jets receivers you know elijah moore garrett wilson won either both against the lions how, how do you not do that uh I really like, you know, Pacheco, you know, against the Texans. How do you not do that? You know, I mean, there's like a lot of, you know, there's, you know, even some pieces in the, you know, I'm not going to give them my whole team here, but there's some pieces in the Broncos Cardinals game that I really like. Hmm. Um, and I, I'm like trying to get, you know, how do I get off of that? You know, the, you know, there's things that there's, so I, I'm very curious to see where ownership comes in. I mean, that's going to end up, you know, the lineup that I've built that I'm, that, you know, obviously I'm going to play heavy because there's so, there is, the level of gut knowledge, I think, you know, I've been, I've been playing fancy football for 35 years. You think I learned something by now. Uh, so I, you know, I'm going to stick with that, but now I'm very curious to see where ownership comes in. Like, am I, am I with the crowd? Am I against the crowd here? Right. But I mean, there, there, there's again, that, that Chargers Titans game. Like, I, I don't understand how you don't build lineups around that game. Right. Uh, I don't understand how you don't play Jets receivers, you know, but I guess we'll see. So when you start the week with a, you build your dummy lineup and then you're still feeling good about it a few days later, when you end up making your, your final batch of, of lineups, do you end up take that, take that lineup and do like 10 different, uh, pivots off of it where you've got you know the same some of the same core but pair herbert with every possible receiver in every possible combination and and just a lot of builds that that all look kind of similar with a few different Uh, pieces or is that not your style no i mean i'll do a few variations of the lineup um but then i'll end up like trying to you know know, there's obviously other things that that i like and that you know might get you know things you know you never know what's gonna happen things get a little crazy uh, so, you know, I'll end up probably just doing my normal output, but like, I, I can't tell you how many times that I have like one, as I said, you know, every year or two or, and you know, it happens in baseball, it happens in NBA, whatever happens in whatever I'm playing where like, it just is feel, it feels right, you know? And like, and it's not like, I'm, and believe me, it never feels right. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm always <laughs> right. like struggling with it, you right. know, but when, when it feels right, I, I, 
and I, 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 I need to go hard at it. You know, otherwise I'm going to, you know, I'd rather lose a lot of money with the conviction right, than right. leave a lot of money on the table with the conviction. Yeah. Probably stupid, but that, that's <laughs> the way, you know, that's the, really, that's what it is, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do expect that'll be a pretty high owned game and some of you know, that it's just kind of obvious uh, because the, the chargers passing offense against the Titans, bad passing yeah, defense I mean, and the it's... Titans rushing against the chargers, bad rushing defense that, that Herbert plus one or two weapons and Henry on the other side, I think that'll be popular. Um, but you know, you find it, it's not going to be, nobody's going to be 50% owned or anything. So it, it's, no. and, and it's, it's not cheap, but it's not so expensive that you can't make some lineups work pretty well. Um, for, for something more contrarian, uh, your, your Patriots, Mac Jones at 5k, uh, he's only had two fantasy games over 20 points all year, but against the Raiders here, decent spot good savings you know if he just goes for like 25 or so and you pair him with the right receiver you yeah. can spend almost whatever you want anywhere else and have a shot at some big wins and in terms of low ownership i just wonder how many people pull the trigger on mac jones even at a cheap price feels like he won't be more than about two percent owned in, in in large fields no I would think. I, I, yeah no, i agree 100 percent. i mean we're at a time of the year you know this year has proven that you know I mean, you know, this has been talked about in a million different places, a million different ways, but like the field's just gotten better at identifying like the good plays, you know? Right. Um, and it just, it feels as if the good plays are hitting at a higher rate this year. And, you know, c- combine that with like, you know, a lot of the, those toilet builders as, as they're called, right? They're, <laughs> right. They're, 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 they're not playing anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you know, their season's over. They're not following as closely. So, you know, it's, it's tough to, you know, I, I feel like we're like, we're almost at the stage. Uh, I forget the character's name now when princess bride, you know, the Wallace Shawn's character, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, where, you know, we're <laughs> you, you trying to yeah. outsmart where the smartest play at this point might just be, you know, play the guys that like set up the, for the best thing. Let everyone else like screw up, you know? Right. Well, I've, I, I should tell you, I've spent years developing an immunity to winning in DFS. So, uh, <laughs> so um, we're, you know, we're talking about uh, daily fantasy here, but, uh, but I do want to take uh, like 30 seconds to, uh, to discuss my season long league. I will not speak a word of who's on my team. Nobody cares. I know that. Um, but just a quick status report, because I mentioned this on the pod at the start of the season. Uh, this is a new league with my college buddies and our kids. We're doing a 15-week regular season and just two rounds of playoffs, so we're not in the playoffs yet. We have one more regular season week, but I've pretty much clinched the one seed, and my son has pretty much clinched a playoff spot. Unclear whether he'll be the two, three, or four seed, but if he's four, next week is going to be very interesting in the Raskin household. And I'll kind of be rooting for him to beat me, you know. <laughs> Being a parent is weird that way. It it sure is. It sure is. Uh, well, if, if we're going to be doing some bragging, then I yeah. need to also say that I advanced about thirty percent of my best ball teams, at, which is nearly double the expected rate. Nice. So we're heading, you know, and including uh, six. I have six best ball mania finalists. You know, of course, if for those of you who care, I made the finals of it last right. year, hoping to right. hoping to, for a repeat. But, uh, once just, once uh, you're in this round of best ball mania, what's the what percentage of the field advances to the next week or whatever? It's right now. I I, I think for all the tournaments of the top two out of twelve, so it's sixteen percent. Okay. So based based on the math, I should I should advance six teams this week, and then based on the math, I should advance one team. Basically, according to the math, one of my teams should make a final somewhere. Okay, uh, I'd I'd be very happy if that happened. <laughs> right. Just one final in one of the tournaments. That's all. That's just a little bit of a sweat. That's all it. right. And what's the top prize that uh, that you'll be uh, bringing home in a couple of weeks? A million dollars. All right. Well, <laughs> and that's the <laughs> point at which you will walk away from the podcast, and it'll be uh, Raskin and uh, Chat GPT two hosting from that point <laughs> forward. The, the possibility exists. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Chris Bevilacqua. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, the floor is yours. Please take us out. All right, before I do, if, if, if you haven't watched and plan on watching White Lotus, turn off your, your podcast now. Okay, because mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna make mention that that is a minor spoiler, but I I, I, I have a lot of white lotus on the planet. <laughs> uh, okay, the, the, this show has 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 overtaken my life. I, I kid you not. All I've been listening to 
on a loop is a Spotify playlist somebody made of like all this music from season mm, two. Okay. It is driving my family batty. Uh, <laughs> I want to, despite the very real threat of infidelity and murder, I'd love to be a guest at a White Lotus. I mean, how do, how are they not doing like a White Lotus like actual thing? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. oh my god, take my money. But yes, <laughs> but my my parting thought this week, Eric. Yes. Would you like to know what the key to gambling is, Eric? <laughs> uh, sure. I'll let you know what the key to gambling is. The key to gambling is to bet with your head and not with your heart. Right? That's 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 the key. Bet with your head, not with your heart. Take uh-huh. Tanya, for example, Eric. <laughs> okay. Yes. She bet with her heart time and time again, uh-huh. and her very her very last bet on the Cowboys sucker. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Go. My, the highlight of my life right there for the Can, for the three people that get that reference that double reference <laughs> yes you're welcome um can, uh, can, can I ask whether you uh, are sat so now we're like super duper full spoiler whatever if you're still sticking around I guess you don't care but sad to see her die or you'd had enough Jennifer Coolidge this show is better off without her because I'll say I'm, I'm in the second camp that I her character I get the appeal, but mostly she just annoyed me, and so let's let's kill her off and move on. I I'm a, I, I am agnostic on this, in that, okay. and only because like I I will follow. Apparently, I will follow Mike White uh, <laughs> to the ends of the earth. You know, seriously, I, that he, I mean, these shows that are like singular visions, right. like have you know, they're ninety nine percent of them suck, but like the ones that like work and that connect with me personally like right. i will I, mike white if, if he wrote spinoffs on every single character from season two i'm, <laughs> I'm watching every single show okay you know like there was not there was not a moment during the season that like i checked my phone while i was watching you, you know what wow. i'm saying yeah and at every point of every episode i'm like oh shit there's only five minutes left you know and I and I, White Lotus season one I liked I didn't love I I'm, liked it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It was it was fine, but it was kind of overrated, and I think kind of people were into it because it happened to come on at a time where no other scripted stuff yep, had yep. emerged out of the pandemic yet, and and people were overrating it. But yeah, it, I thought it took a a huge leap in in the second season. It was I, I really I I can't I, I it's what now Thursday it's it was finale was Sunday I legitimately I I. I I'm not like making this up. I can't stop thinking about it. All like right, well, I, I'm so into it. Well, now are you going to go back now and watch Mike White's season of Survivor? You know, it's I I I never saw it, so I do want to see it. All right. Yeah, I, a... I, I'm I'm all in on Mike White. Anything. Whatever did... Mike White does, I'm I'm in for. It. I didn't I didn't see the show Enlightened. Have you seen that? No, it's on. Oh, show. It's so that was that was that was his, that was his HBO show before this. I know. So, uh, so now, all right. I... Yeah, I mean, all right. I mean, You've got a lot. You got a lot of homework between now I do, and uh, next I do. episode. I do. I got things to do. You know, right. I, mean, I might have to like take a few days off. <laughs> all right. So listen, go, Eric. Going back to what I was saying earlier, before I could talk White Lotus in case you haven't noticed for like three hours. Right. Uh, you want the the key to the, the key to a successful gambler, much like Tanya did it do. You got to bet with your head, not with your heart. And, and with that, Eric, I implore you, please gamble on.